You're listening to the best of Maddie Johns. Yes, howdy everybody and welcome to Morning Glory. What a glorious day it is today. Just feel, just makes it good to feel alive. Makes married life even feel good. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, pretty soon, talk about the possibility of Wayne Bennett to Parramatta. A little bit of story going around. We're going to Penrith. We're going to preview the World Club Challenge. Movie of the Week with Liam Alexander. Mad Max, Fury Road, Webster, Beak's Best Bit, uh, Ben's Beef. Um, look, last week, as we know, he took the long handle to... Uh, to Taylor Swift and the, and the Swifties. Hopefully he won't repeat. Well, this week, people, if you are uh, if you like pumping weights and doing aerobics, he's going to take aim at you. Fitness influencers is in uh, Ben's side. Leave me alone. I'm not having a go at people that pump weights, okay? I'm having at the idiots online yeah. that think they do. Ben, Ooh. look, let's just say before Ooh, the show, he, he said anyone who lifts one weight is a roid Hey, head. hey, hey, uh, hey. I, I do that. Yeah. Not the roids. Oh, exactly. <laughs> this is roid race right exactly. now. Exactly. Mr. Testosterone Shut over up, there. Shut up, Luke. Don't we have some growth hormone, mate? Uh, Sydney Morning Herald's Andrew Webster. Webby, good morning. Now, good morning. we're going to come back to this in a second. Uh, at this point, I always say drifter update. There has been a, uh, a bit of an incident. Here. There has been an incident. Yeah. Very similar to the drifter. Okay. Looking forward to that. Bloke in a bar, Den and Kemp. Kemp, he loved the new... T-shirt, mate. Have they uh, are they out and about now? Uh, well, they've a lot of them have been sold out, uh, but oh. we still have some left. We've got this uh, white could be anything shirt left, and we've got two sizes left in the black. So. I like the colour. Thank but you. Bone and uh, blood red. Yeah, blood red, blood red. Yeah. That's what we dragons colours. Yeah, yeah. This, this has a bit more of that. Without Luciano later. <laughs> and a man who we just learnt this morning is going to run for mayor of Pennant Hills, Ben Hogarth. <laughs> Attorney it, General as no, well. Yeah, I think he was. In the, I see. Yeah, I see him. I see him. They're out there listening. Yeah. I don't know whether you're electricians or drug dealers. I couldn't tell by the Maybe car both. you were driving. Maybe both. They sound like fitness If they're influences. out there, bring it on, bitches. Yeah, what about that? That'd be a, a job. Uh, an electrician or a tradie and a drug dealer who go and basically uh, put in some uh, downlights and then buy, sell a little bit of toot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it's been an eventful morning. Webby, you're here. What a Herculean effort. Herculean? Herculean. What a strong effort. To keep walking and get going. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Luciano Lua. Uh, last week, Denano's <laughs> bid to get 900 grand. Okay, mate, I'm just a battler. Battler from the back. Cowboys and Leilua couldn't have timed this any more perfect. Like They talk about big contracts and how they come. Oftentimes, it's luck. Like you, Sometimes, you just land in the right spot at the right time where you, you, exactly what you are is needed. For what a yeah. club needs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whereas at other times, you might be locked up in a, you know, an unders contract and the market doesn't need your position and all of a sudden, your, your value gets pushed down. Whereas Leilua and Cowboys... Like they've landed this perfectly. As a yeah. Dragons man, I'm actually okay about it. I'm happy about it. Well, you've got to like spend it, the money. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to pay overs. But where yeah. they are, they've got to. That's just the yeah. reality of being in the bottom four for the last few years. You got to. You got to pay overs to I, get a, to get a quality player like that. So you like I it, hope it works. You? You've got to spend the money. It's like during COVID when you go down the IGA. There's not much on the shelf. Whatever's there, just grab it. <laughs> <laughs> Tissues, bird seed, whatever. I said, look at that bird seed. Let's get it somewhere. You, you know what I like about like, but you know, this is. I think we shouldn't be too quick to judge Earl for years. From He's been telling playmaker to be developed, and he's now got the opportunity to do with his son. He's got a big name forward in Luciano, so the proof will be in the pudding. Well, so this is all here for Flano to make good on everything that he's wanted to do. I, I like. It's like. At least there's – I just felt like for a couple of years there, there wasn't any energy around the joint. It just didn't feel like – 
Yeah. Good or bad. I'm always, I'm the cop to go, at least have a crack. Like, if you fall Beak. on your sword, you fall on your sword. Beak, I reckon a really good indicator sometimes of, with a club is when you look at a Friday night game and you go, who's playing? And there's certain teams that sort of, if they're not your team, whatever, but they conjure a certain emotion, or you're going to be entertained or, you know, for whatever reason. In the last couple of years, the Dragons just haven't conjured any emotion. Well, in, oh, in me, 100%. like you, they've conjured you, some in me. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> called alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look at the Tigers. Look at the Tigers. Yeah. I know they, they've been struggling. Yeah. The Tigers have been struggling for a few years now, but at least you're getting some. Um, there is some kind of storyline. There is. There's big... definitely going to be a story coming out of any result. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. And there's there's big risks being taken. Like they're going aggressively in the market to get guys like Appy Corusau. Uh, guys like Bateman back from England. Like, whereas I felt for a period there uh, at the Dragons, there were very safe signings that, oh, well, we know he's played, you know, 100 games of first grade at yeah. a relatively good standard. Um, but there was no – I didn't feel like there was a real push to j- almost just lay all your cards down and just see yeah. what happens. I felt like there was a lot of safety yeah. over the last few years at the yeah. Dragons. Um, okay. Uh, Webby, we spent this a couple of years ago. We mentioned that – uh, Parramatta and Wayne Bennett. A couple of seasons ago, you know, where there was talk around Brad under pressure and whatnot, and Wayne was coming off contract, and it almost looked like it was the perfect timing. Mm. Uh, it didn't happen, um, but Wayne's lurking again, and there's yeah. talk of him possibly re- next year going to the role of director of football. Let's be serious. If Wayne Bennett goes to Parramatta, he's going to be the head coach. One thousand percent. Smith the story said there's no way in the world that they were even considered. To Wayne Bennett, I thought it was interesting. Well, that's crazy. Well, but, that. but I thought all that there is no way that would be ahead of football. Yeah, you think, fellas, if suddenly they're now halfway through the season, we've got absolutely. Well, I, you know, I think I think it's you know that bloke who can t- you know jack about him too, isn't he? Oh, hundred percent. This is classic. Wayne loves it. Loves loves don't start well. I just I was talking to someone about it. Yes, I'm not close to Wayne at all, so I don't know what he'd think be thinking about season and whether he wants coach that will coach until he's done. Yeah. With Webster, if I have one piece of advice for Anthony Seabolt, Seabolt. <laughs> It's don't. It's just don't take the bait. Now, Jason Demetrio came out My in God. relation to Manly staying in the strip. He said, "I said, mate, yeah, going to throw some money on the bar. Hopefully, they have a week long hangover. Of course, they're playing themselves at the, uh, each other at the end of the week." Um, Seves at this point should have said something like, "Well, JD doesn't know how to sh- shout at the first place. You know, where's that effect?" But he took it personally and criticised the Bunnies for not promoting the game properly. <laughs> you just got to don't worry about it. Oh, mate. Because what they're doing, they're laying it out for you. <laughs> I, it, it's, it's, it's what happened in Brisbane as well. Like, I just, I, you, like, Seabold, obviously, he's still a relatively rookie coach. But I, I just feel like sometimes he just gets baited way too easily into, yeah. now, there's a, now there's a headline, there's a story. But they yeah. both are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, JD had a crack last, was it last year or the year before? Last year, yeah. Last year. It's like, you know what, I think both of them are under so much pressure. The last thing they have the energy for is a war of words and getting hammered by journos at every press conference about what each have said about each other. for your careers. Yeah, Demetrio was sake. very tongue-in-cheek, though. Like, it was not even close I know, to I a know. It was like, put, it on the, put a tab on the bar to distract them. Like, and then Seabold comes out, well, at least we're <laughs> promoting the game. Right, I, I still think JD's under more pressure than Seabs, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd absolutely. Agree. Like, the going, to, going into this round oh, one, absolutely. This, is, this is a critical win, a must-win for the Bunnies. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, the, well, the, imagine, right. if, imagine you come out and see if you said, oh, look, 
to be honest, you know, I know JD's under a lot of pressure. My advice to him is keep the money. You might need it. <laughs> <laughs> See? That's, See? Good. That's, good. That's you good. You should just become a coach for the smart-ass one line. Yeah, I, might be, I might become one of those arseholes who's just a consultant and tells people what to say. Like There's it. a lot of those around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to Birdseed. No, we'll take a break. Uh, Webster next. You're listening to the best of Maddie Johns. Yes, welcome back to um, Morning Glory. Later on the show with Liam Alexander, we have got uh, we've got Mad Max Fury Road uh, for movie of the week. And have a think about this, people. Um, what is the best? What are the best and worst reboots in movie history? I tell you what, I had a look at the list. Uh, there's some good ones, but my God, there's just a, an array of complete and utter bludges. It's time, people, for Webster. Yes, this morning, assaulted by a couple of roid heads, but he's here, people. Uh, <laughs> Webby, what is sitting on your plate that you want to share with us? <laughs> and I mean that the nicest possible Let way. Are you fat-shaming me now? Calamare. Fat, you're fat-shaming me now. No, I'm not, mate. We no. all pick on the fat kid, don't we? No. Um, our illustrious leader, Peter Volandis, he's been, he's been a little energiser, Bunny, this week. He's been everywhere. In the, in the papers, but he said something very interesting last Friday at the uh, Cowboys season launch. He was interviewed by Danny Kamase, and he was talking about all the great things that the NRL's done on his watch, including the six-to-go rule, and he made a really interesting comment. He said, would Jonathan Thurston have been a better player if he'd played under Volandi's set restart rule? Furthermore, he said Nathan Cleary... Would have um, would he have done the heroics that he did in the last twenty minutes of last year's grand final if not for mm. the six to go rule, which I thought was a quite an interesting thing to explore. Um, I spoke to JT, and JT said he def- he thought about it. He said, but his first inclination when when Volandi said it, he JT was in the crowd, was imagine Matty Bowen oh, <laughs> under the six to go rule. Thinking about mm. him yesterday. And the My other God, and and but but Penrith didn't take it as well. They didn't say anything publicly, but there's only one set restart um, in that grand final. It was Herbie Farnworth in the last four minutes, and 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 on the first tackle from the dropout that um, that uh, that Nathan scored the match winning try from. So I wanted to open it up. Yeah. What do you think? It's a, is is it has it made the game vastly better? Vastly better, in my opinion, and vastly better for playmakers mm. because when you're a playmaker. Fatigue is gold. Game opens up. Big guys are vulnerable. Uh, interesting when you talk about playmakers. Thurston, I have got no doubt, would be a better player because what you get with the six again rule is you've got to play more reactive football. The game's quicker. When there's fatigue in the game, the game actually accelerates because there's less wrestle in the rucks. Mm. And apart from what I mean by uh, reactive football is that you are not getting set starts. So it suits Thurston. Because Thurston was the guy who could say to his forwards, just roll forward for me, and he could pick a team apart just by an instantaneous call or just a moment of brilliance. Now, a player he might not have suited as much, the sixth general, is Cooper Cronk. Because hmm. Cooper was the guy who was very strategic. All of a sudden, there's a penalty to the Melbourne Storm or the Roosters. 
What he does, he walks around to his team and says, righto, this is how we're going to build this set of six. Kick it in touch, and you've got a choreographed set of six. So as a general rule, I would say that six, again, real because it's faster, helps playmakers. But different type different of, playmakers type of playmakers more than others. Yeah. JT said an interesting thing to me, because... Uh, but because Peter and the NRL like to say, we've eradicated wrestling from the game. Well, that's not right. You know, you still and you say, never will. You never will. And you got the three. And But I said to JT and I were talking and he said, I said, you know, you still see the three plays in the tackle, the two up top, the one down the bottom. And he, he said, but the thing is now, if those three get a set restart against them, you go at them again. Mm-hmm. You go, go, go at those three players again and then you play off the back of that. And I thought that was an interesting point to make. I'll just make one more point, boys, here. And what's really important, why I really respect the NRL and, uh, and Peter and uh, you know, people who, the committee, are, you know, tinkering and talking about rule changes, is they've continued to keep the attack ahead of the defence. Now, what starts to happen, the, what you start to hear a lot from commentators when the game starts to feed, uh, speed up is they start to say, hang on a second, we've taken all the rights away from the defensive side. Well, do you know what? There's not one side that defends for 80 minutes and the other. Too bad. Yeah. If it's... If it's Advantage attack, well, guess what? Too bad. I go back to, at the moment, the game has never been better. I want to go back to a season where I I thought the game, where you go, okay, the game has found itself, and it was just booming, was the year the Tigers won it in 2005. It was a season that was attack bias, Mm. Uh, and hence the reason why probably the two best attacking sides that year, the Cowboys and the Tigers made the grand final. Now, at the end of that season, all the coaches got together, with the NRL, and the NRL at that point wasn't under as strong a leadership. And they went and they said, okay, and it was Wayne in particular, I believe, that said, we have ventured too far away. We have taken all the rights away from the defensive side. We've got to scale it back. They did scale it back. Brisbane won the comp the next year. (laughs) Now, what that was is the game was scaled back and it actually started to be, once again, more defence-orientated. And it's only really since the six again rule that we've certainly really seen it open up and been as good as it was in 2005. Yeah, I think a really good uh, example of why, like, people think the six again rule changed the game, and you could, to a degree, it changed the game, but I actually think it's just made it, taken it back to its more pure form, mm. uh, the six mm. again rule, because even if there is three people in the tackle and one around the legs, Players are jumping up way quicker because they don't want to yep. be caught in the you know, the washing machine of, of the ruck. But I think a really good team that you know exemplifies the six again rule is when you watch the Brisbane Broncos today. What do they remind you of? Ninety, ninety eight, nine, early two thousand Broncos. Just that free flowing um, footy, mm. and I think that's all because of the six again rule. Mm. Um, they have really low completion, so they're, they're chancing their arm. And they're attacking from anywhere on the field. And I think but, that they're yeah, advantage. And I, and I tell you why it suits Penrith and Nathan Cleary is because. With the games being sped up, and I found this when I went to England. When I had my year in England, it really shocked me how quick the game was because there's less emphasis on defence and there was basically no wrestling. And what really shocked me, the speed of the game meant that you couldn't play NRL style, which was at that point, which was, hey, boys, give me a couple to the far post and we'll come back because the game was flowing so quickly. It's what is happening right now. It's why you see a lot of structured size. And I think what you're seeing with the Roosters, and the Roosters have got off to slow starts, is they like to play a structured game. And the way that the game has changed hasn't suited them. It suits Penrith, because although Penrith play a structured game, you've got all these blokes who have been together for a long period of time. And the combinations are forged. They all know you know, the calls. They, know, they communicate so well together. And so they can play fast. They don't need time to yeah, set up. Exactly. And I think also 
you look at that forward pack, obviously Leota and Fish Harris are big boys, but they're like very fast and explosive forwards. So yeah. that roll on is super yeah. quick. Whereas you quick look at some other, for- yeah. yeah, whereas some other forward packs, they're a little bit bigger in size. But they're almost the play. Of the ball's not even yeah. worth the extra post contact. And you've got back get. rowers there who are protecting the big blokes anyway. With you know, you've got Sorensen, uh, and you've got uh, guys like yeah, Martin mm. and so on, and, and a little bloke in the middle like Mitch Kenny, who are just mate. They're hound dogs. I'll yep. just I'll chase anything down and tackle anything. So it sort of absorbs a little bit of pressure the big guys are under. Now Vegas Webby. Vegas, there's momentum. So they've they're over thirty thousand ticket sales. I spoke to Andrew Wabdo yesterday and he said for weeks and weeks his, um, his anxiety levels have been through the roof. And he said, but it's finally been overtaken by excitement. Excitement. And it's like Vegas Christmas. Yeah. Vegas. <laughs> so I, I feel like... It's snowing. <laughs> I said to Ben this morning, there's like an iron curtain as far as the media and I think all the fans and everything that it's Vegas... And then what happens after that? No one's actually thinking <laughs> no, about it. No, no. <laughs> Is there a competition after that? Yeah. <laughs> but I do. I just feel like there's like it's it's in classic rugby league style. It's all coming together right at the last minute. There's been a real run for people wanting to go over there and tickets bought. So it's looking like it's. I'm, I, are you excited? I'm very excited. Yeah. Look, I wasn't ex- as excited as I was the first time we went over because yeah. we sort of. That was as a, you saw that was in a, that, uh, would you call it documentary, Ben, <laughs> that Ben put together? It was documentary, mockumentary. I'm not sure. Expose. 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 Yeah. It was described by our, um, our boss at Fox Sports as great stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> and he meant that as a compliment. So I'm going to take it. Thank you, Crawl. Yeah, take it. My old man said, he watched it and said, were you, uh, were you behaving like that at all over there? And I said, no, I was not behaving like that over well, there at all. Well, people, my, my oh, tell you, Ben, you, you did a marvellous jo- job with the edit. Because I'm laying in bed going, I can't watch this with the family. I don't, I don't know. And literally he's holding my breath. And all, I heard, and all I heard was laughter. And Trish came in and I said, what did you... Now, I was expecting... You look blind, you look blind drunk the whole time you're on there, which I was. Uh, or something that worse. So what else did you do there? And, but she came in and she said... I said, what did you think? She said, I loved it. She said, because it showcased how much you blokes like each other. Yeah, yeah. Was, that's true. Very true. I got a lovely message from uh, Not Body, so much Body, Body Highmarsh saying, I'm on the ground laughing just after her husband had done a strip tease. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, he does the little, the big slut drop pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> he does. That looked like someone who's done that before. Yes, <laughs> I tell you what, he's well weighted. He, he's I, got a lot of swing. He commits. <laughs> he, com- he commits. He, he was nervous though. It was funny. There was like Gordy getting on that ride. He was like oh. he was like going a shade of white, and even Hindy, even though he had the spray tan on, he went a shade of white before he went on the stage. Oh man, what about that? But that, but it's true. He, like we thought he was going to come out and just <laughs> shake it for two seconds and run off, and that's all we needed from him. Yeah. But he came out <laughs> and he went. You want a that show? That was his boys? moment. That was his moment. I'll give you a show. What, what about the raging bull? When uh, the raging bull said, oh, "I can't, can't do this," I, and he was on there and he's saying to the bloke. Uh, Oh, mate, I can't get it across. And the, all the fella had to say, okay, I've done a bit of trouble get, clicking this in. And Gordon went, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. And then when it finished, he goes, see, I didn't miss out on anything. Yeah. Because uh, I couldn't. He's going, I couldn't get it in. See? Yeah. Oh, Queen, no, Queenslander. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what about your uh, face <laughs> sitting on that ride? <laughs> no, and I'm going to actually start dry heaving just thinking of you dry heaving. It's I, I, just, I just wish that we... For everyone out there that saw that, we we cut probably a good five minutes out of Matthew 
oh. with his head in a garbage bin at the end of that ride. Yeah. Young American children watching a TV icon <laughs> vomit into a garbage bin. And then Hindy vomiting yeah, after um, watching me vomit. Yeah, because he's a sympathetic vomiter. Can I just give a, a bit of just something to all the blokes out there that are driving, all the tradies and oh, I don't know, lawyers, whatever you might be. Doctors, nurses, anyway. There's an old saying. You remember you get there sometimes with your wife or your girlfriend and they'll get there sometimes and they'll say, oh, you know, it'll be a little thing, like where you been? And so I've been that. And then they find out you haven't done it. And I say, why do you lie? I know I say, to keep the peace. <laughs> to keep the peace. Well, I've actually swung off. So, okay. I said to her recently, I said to Trish about six months ago, I'll tell you the full truth of everything I get get up to. And please, not that much. What I do, whether I go down the pub or whatever and have a slap on the pokies or lose money on the punt, I'll tell you everything if you can accept the truth. <laughs> well, she came in and she went, now, all the vomiting. Are you really scared of heights? I said, Trish, I was extremely hungover. I got home at 6 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> and she said, what were you doing? I said, I can't remember. <laughs> right, uh, we'll take a break. You're listening to the best of Maddie Johns. Second studio, off the second studio album by Australian New Wave band Pseudo Echo, released in 1985, Funky Town, which of course was a cover. I'm just trying to work out who uh, who was the original singer. It wasn't Donna Summer? I tell you I what, know. though, what a great song. Funky Town? Yep. Yeah, you're right. Uh, okay, people, it's time for Maddie's world famous 10 to 1 today. Greatest fictional characters from sports films. Boys, my number 10. Was this film was on yesterday? The film was Major League. Ricky the Wild Thing Vaughn. Have you seen Major League? Of course. Oh, excellent. Best scene when he gets the call, coming on out onto the mound at a vital stage to Wild Thing with the glasses on. With glasses on. Very good. And throws a heater over a hundred. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Very good film. Watched it again yesterday. Wesley, young Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, number nine. And I thought of you, Beak, when I did this one, because I, I don't know why, but I reckon you'll be into it. Rod Tidwell, uh, played by Cuba Gooding Jr. How's he going, Cuba Gooding Jr.? Yeah, not, not great. No? Why? Well, he's had, hasn't he had some controversies and some off-lots? He's had a few stinky movies, too. Yeah, not the best. Yeah. But Boys in the Hood, God, he was... Oh, so good. Movie, yeah. so good. But this, of course, uh, talking about here, Jerry Maguire, his role there, the undersized, so underrated good. wide receiver with a big chip on his shoulder. Best scene, the iconic, which is in now, like, popular culture. That's it. You've got it, Alex. Show me the money. So we say to Hutchie all the time. <laughs> and he says, oh, mate, things are tight at the moment. Uh, number eight, <laughs> we have Roy Hobbs. Now, do you know what? Roy Hobbs, who's that? Uh, played, Hobbsy. you got it, Ben. Is it played is it, by Robert Rat, uh, Redford, Redford the natural. in the natural? Yeah, in the natural. That's yeah. right. The Baseball natural. prodigy who goes missing for twenty years and returns to the major leagues. I reckon the best. There's Quite so like, many uh, great scenes in it, like Tavita Pango Junior. But less sure, <laughs> not <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. uh, Now the best scene. 
uh, early in the film as a young pitcher, striking out the man who's supposed to be Babe Ruth at the country fair. One of the mm. great scenes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> number seven, boys, Jackie Moon. Oh, it was on my list of honourable mentions, if you weren't going to say it. Jackie Moon, played by Will Farrell in Semi-Pro. So uh, About a dysfunctional basketball team, um, basically owned by Jackie, trying to remain in the big league as it transitions into the NBA. Best scene, the vagrant. Nailing the full court basket for ten thousand dollars. <laughs> he greens out just before he throws it. <laughs> it's a very good movie. I took the boys to see this when they were young tackers, and of course, there's plenty of expletives. And this uh, sort of sticky, uh, this I don't know, like sticky beak turned around and said, "Oh, mate, it's not really the sort of film to uh, take your kids to." And, uh, well, didn't I give him the rounds? suppose <laughs> you had to be there. Uh, <laughs> number six, Beak, and I thought of you again for this oh, one. Thanks. Steeman, Willie Beam. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Greatest of all time. The, this, the music video that he does? Oh, that's, that's, oh yes. Women. They call me... They call me <laughs> Keep the ladies the supplements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's definitely not me. Played by Jamie Foxx. How's Jamie Foxx going these days, guys? Not, not, not well. Oh, no, he's, he's back. bounced back. He's, he's back. bounced back. He's back in a new film called, it's called And We're Back, or with Cameron Diaz, who's also making her comeback. Oh, okay. yeah, he's, he's, he's had, he's, I think, he had some health issues. had a stroke. Yeah, he had some health Oh, really? Issues. Yeah, and oh. was unable to walk and has fought his way back. Wasn't he on the bottle? On the drink. Mm. He's, had, he's, he's had some really bad health issues. He's yeah. honestly one of the most talented men on planet Earth. He yeah. can do everything. I saw him walking he can around. Act, sing, I, I saw him comedian. walking around aimlessly at the Super Bowl. Did you really? Yeah, in Atlanta. Yeah. He's out the front, and like people going, "Is that Jamie Fox?" Yeah, that was really weird. I heard the same thing. A mate of mine was in New York City, Phil Bailey, and saw Billy Joel walking, walking aimlessly in the Lower East Side, seeing "Say Goodbye, Say Goodbye to Hollywood." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He followed me around, had the full concert. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> true story, though. Uh, and that's one you didn't have to be there. Uh, best scene, in my opinion, getting his first start and vomiting in the helmet and in the huddle. Yep. <laughs> Great scene. Yeah. Number five. Now, we spoke about this uh, gentleman last week, played by the late, great Carl Weathers in the Rocky franchise, the master of disaster, the arch villain who becomes Rocky's dear friend and mentor, Apollo Creed. The best. The best. Best scene. There's a scene in Rocky 2, right, where he's sitting there at the press conference. They're doing, like, you know, for the weigh-in of sorts in Rocky 2, and he's sitting there, and he's basically just into Rocky. And at one point, what sends him over the edge, one of the reporters says to Rocky, hey, Rock, what are you going to buy with all the money you're going to get? And he goes, yeah, I'm thinking about buying my kid one of those, like, Muppet things, like uh, <laughs> Miss Piggy or Kermit the Frog. <laughs> and Apollo didn't like it. Uh, again, you probably had to be there. Uh, number four, guys, and this is a tie. Couldn't split these two blokes. Great periphery characters. Shooter McGavin oh. and Mr. Larson <laughs> from Two Great Characters and Happy Gilmore, um, which basically you've got the uh, Shooter McGavin is the asshole champ and Mr. Larson is Happy's old uh, boss back in the day. Best scene? Uh, of course, from Shooter, is I eat pieces like shit for breakfast. <laughs> you eat pieces of shit for breakfast? Uh, no. And the other one, of course, from Mr. Larson. Uh, I believe that's Mr. Gilmore's jacket. <laughs> Grizzly Adam had a beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, number three, let's keep with uh, Happy Gilmore, boys. Hal, the, psychopath, the psychopathic nurse from Happy Gilmore, played by Ben Stiller. 
when he was a relative unknown, better still at this point. Only brief appearances, but extremely memorable. Best scene uh, where he goes to Nana, Happy's Nan, and says, uh, can I get you anything, Grandma? She goes, mm, I'd like a warm glass of milk. And he goes, how about I get you a warm glass of shut the hell up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you hear that laughter, people? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Number two, what's your thoughts on this one? In my opinion, one of the most underrated movies of all time, although it got a few awards, uh, played by Mickey Rourke, Randy the Ram Robinson in The Wrestler. Oh, The Wrestler's a great movie. I was discussing this film last night with Brian Fletcher. Apparently, Mickey Rourke was so cooked that there was a guy standing just off screen reciting lines to him that he would then recite back because he couldn't remember his lines. Yeah, wow. Because he was so... Dar- so Darren Aronofsky. Yep, Darren Aronofsky. Yep. Pulled him out of retirement for that. And uh, uh, one of his... Like, Ricky, Mickey Rourke's big come. It's his big comeback. And most believe probably his greatest performance as the over-the-hill wrestler. Um, best scene in the dressing room after a bloodied fight where his opponent attacks him with a staple gun. <laughs> yes. Remember that? And he's just in there just picking all the staples out of his body. The end of that film... Is one of the, is, it's it's up there with got well, like whiplash in terms of exceptional ending. Yeah, and Bruce Springsteen does a song, one of Springsteen's mm-hmm. most underrated songs, "The Wrestler,", the Wrestler. of which Aronofsky went to him and said, "I want you to do a song." He said, "I don't do soundtracks anymore," and he said to uh, Darren Aronofsky said to uh, Mickey Rourke, "Can you call him?" And Mickey Rourke said, oh, "I'm going to start as uh, star as the wrestler, Randy the Ram," and um, Springsteen said, "Deal, anything for you." Yeah, right. So, yeah, wow. Great song. Uh, number one, fellas, there's barely a show goes by we don't mention this gentleman. Sylvester Sloan's greatest character, of course, Rocky Balboa. Best scene, probably the top three. I reckon the last two rounds in Rocky One. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other one, look, training in the abattoir where he's punching the hanging meat is a, a beauty. And, mate, just all the training montages. In, in one and two, have there is there any like montages in film history that are better than the Rocky franchise? No, no, and, and yeah, and like, I'm trying to think of like any film that's even like stood out that you can even remember. Like yeah. no one's come close to the montages that he does no. that Rocky did. No, they're very good, very good. The f- the fighter with Mark Wahlberg was fantastic. Very, very good. It's a great movie. Yeah, particularly good Christian Bale's oh, character. Yeah. Christian Bale's. See character. what I did there, Webby. What? Fictional characters. Because when I thought of characters, I was thinking about oh, De Niro as Jake LaMotta, and I thought, I can't uh, include fictional those ones. characters. Fictional. I've, got, I've got three extras. Oh, Honorable please. mentions, if I may. Go for it. We're talking Stallone. Yep. For me, it's Lincoln Hawk in Over the Top arm wrestling. <laughs> oh, mate. Whenever he turns the hat around and becomes an engine, <laughs> let me tell you. I cry. Your, your hammering of Taylor Swift, in my opinion, <laughs> was rock bottom. You've just drilled down, brother. I'm sorry if you don't think the the between Lincoln Hawk and Bill and Bull Hurley in that final arm wrestling challenge is the greatest thing of all time. You're kidding yourself. I got, I got one. Yeah, Ricky Bobby, Talladega oh, Nights. Very, yeah, very yeah good. of course. Because I had Col- a wide Cole Trickle on the. Uh, imagine if they were in the film together racing. <laughs> oh, Cole Trickle, that, Cole was Trickle, that? Days, Days of Thunder, Thunder. Days of Thunder. Oh, mate, one of the greats. Yeah. Who else you got, Benny? And I've also got the great Will Ferrell again, Chaz Michael Michaels. In Blades of Glory, I watched this the other night, and this it, that that film still holds up, masterpiece. 
Masterpiece. The other one, Better Benny. than Taylor Swift, I tell you that. Oh, I'll tell you what. <laughs> i got one more. Mr. Miyagi. Karate oh, oh, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't think of uh, the Karate Kid or mate, the, you know, the bad guy. What's his name? Oh, Johnny. 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 Does a good job. I got, I got one. What was it, who was the coach who played in Final Winter? Oh, Jack Cooper. Jack Cooper. Do you know when names come to me? Yeah. That's how memorable it was. Oh, no, that's right. Even I forgot about it. I do remember there was one great bit of acting from you where you had a bet on a greyhound. <laughs> you bitch. Yeah, I did. I didn't need to wait. That wasn't acting. No, that was actually, that was actually <laughs> well. be between scenes. When Nabes brought me the script, he goes, mate, I wouldn't mind you playing the coach. And I went, look, I'm not really. And he said, oh, yeah, okay. And he sent me the script, and the name of the coach was Jack Cooper. And my two boys at that age were very, very young. And I said, mate, it, meant to uh, be. it's meant to be. And then I saw the movie, and obviously it wasn't. <laughs> uh, we'll take a break. Movie of the week next. <laughs> You're listening to the best of Maddie Johns. Yes, welcome back. Uh, top of the third hour, we've got Morning Glory Jeopardy. Big name signings in sport and the NRL. Looking forward to that, Webby. It's your favourite, isn't it? What's that? Uh, Morning Glory Jeopardy. Yes, I am. Sorry. <laughs> yes, sorry, I just got an interesting message from somebody. Did you? Oh, who? Oh, that's a Read it story. out. Jeez, that's going to... Oh, God. That'll rock rugby league to the oh. corner. <laughs> <laughs> I like Blake Solly. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's time for Movie of the Week. <laughs> And today, I would say, probably Australia's greatest film franchise, Mad Max, uh, is the reboot, whereas Max was once uh, Mel Gibson. This time it's Tom Hardy. Mad Max Fury Road. Welcome, Liam Alexander. Oh, morning, guys. How are we all? Liam, we're going good, mate. My my first question to you, Liam, you're a filmmaker. In in your opinion, is George Miller, of course, who who, who made this film, made the Mad Max uh, franchise, is he our greatest filmmaker? I think you could make the argument he is. For me, I reckon he's, he's definitely up there. Uh, I think I, I love Peter Weir as well, who directed Truman Show and a few of those movies, Gallipoli, but... I think George Miller and him are tied for, for the Australia's best filmmaker easily. Liam, have you seen, uh, I'll preempt that I think everyone, most people are a fan of this film, but have you seen a movie of this quality with so little dialogue? Yeah, I think that that's the thing about it. There aren't many movies like, and I know a lot of people, I think the complaint you can make about the movie is there's, there's not too much story, but that was the way George Miller intended it. There is, it is one continuous two-hour car chase, basically. And I think mm. the most impressive thing is, like, he made this movie 30 years after Beyond Thunderdome, and he was 70 years oh. old when he directed this movie. But and the way he directs the action, it, it puts any young filmmaker to shame. Like, it is the best-directed action movie, I think, of the last 20 years, easily. Hey, Liam Beaky, uh, where do you rank it in regards to... You know, we often world building happens when there's a, a huge source material. So it's not easy to world build. It's always tough. But 
you know, the world building for this movie, it's got to be up there with some of the best with, I guess, minimal uh, source material to kind of build on. Yeah, 100%. Like, it doesn't have the dense... Like, you're not going off a book like Lord of the Rings or, or any of those sort of novels. So he's created this world from scratch, and he was sort of existing in that post-apocalyptic... Like, the, the original Mag, Mad Maxes definitely have... Like, an, it's an interesting world, the post-apocalypse in Australia, but this movie takes it to another level. Like, the, the world he creates, even at the start of the movie, within 10 minutes, you know that this tyrant runs it, he controls the water, and it's basically all told without any dialogue. So... It's nearly even more impressive that it's not it's not based on anything. Well, I mean, it, it was brilliant uh, as well, fellas, is the casting from George Miller because mm. when he cast Mad Max, Mel Gibson was, he was a small-time actor trying to find his way. And yeah. this one as well is Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy is a long way away from being the Tom Hardy we recognise now. I wanted to ask yeah. this of you, Liam. I read a story this week that Tom Hardy should be the next Bond. I agree. Ooh. Based on yeah. he, on the role that he played in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, mm. yeah, it's it'd be, it'd be not Tom a bad Hardy. one. Yeah, I think he would be a great Bond because he can sell. Well, in this movie, he only has fifty-two lines of dialogue throughout the whole thing, so he can sell that silent physicality really well. But in Tinker Tailor, he's he's got heaps of dialogue, and he can do that as like as good as anyone else either. And, so I think I think he'd be a great Bond, and and he can actually fight. He's a yeah. he's, yes. he's black he's black belt BJJ. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I love him in, in Warrior. Yeah, he's he's quite he's time. quite fearsome. Hey, <laughs> Would he be the toughest actor in terms of? Being he's the guy you want to want to fight. Charles Bronsony. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He is. Yeah. Uh, bit of trivia in this one, uh, Liam boys. Speaking to a guy who was oh. in this film, right, was in mm. it, and one of the makeup artists who works that was Tom Hardy and Charlize. Theron absolutely hated each other. Did not get along yeah, at all. Yeah. It probably a- added to the friction of the movie a little bit. To Why? The menace. And he, well, he Just, he yeah. came and he came out like not recently, but he came out afterwards and he said, "Yes, I was a particular piece of work um, on set. I was and he said that he was under he was under so much pressure in his own head to bring back Max Rockatansky." Rocket. That he like obviously you know that iconic character that he's felt all this pressure and he came out and apologised to Charlize and said I'm really sorry for what I was. The other one was yeah. uh, the actor who was in who told me about. They said uh, at the toward the conclusion of the movie, uh, they said, "Oh, mate, Tom wants to take you know, a number of you guys out for you know for dinner." And they went oh, fantastic. So they went to the restaurant. They go, "Where's Tom?" Anyway, his manager or someone walked in with a laptop and went flicked it over. He was watching them eat via Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, like, Charlize and Tom didn't get on well, but their stunt doubles found love. Oh, wow. Oh, found wow. love and got together <laughs> really? off the back of Mad Max Fury Road. Well, maybe that's why go. they didn't get on so well, because they were taking all the love. Well, it was, it was 138 <laughs> days basically filming one scene. Where was, that it? Where was it? Where was it? Where they do all the, the filming? It was going to be shot in uh, off yeah. Broken yeah. Hill. So it's out, right. so out the back of Broken Hill, right. flooding flooding rains oh. and the desert yeah. where you're, you can go out to the point, you can look where the scene from Mamax 2, Road Warrior, where you can see he's up on that crest and looks out. You go up there at the time and it was just green. So I like how it's a post-apocalyptic desert wasteland. That's going to be Vegas after rugby league rolls. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> next time. Yeah, plenty of people hating each other based on uh, the airport on the Sunday. Hey, Liam, Liam, if you imagine like you, you're, going to make this, uh, you're going to make this film and you've got a choice. You can do the, the younger Mel Gibson or Tom Hardy. Who do you cast? 
Oh, that's tough. I love Mel. I think in Mad Max 2, Road Warrior, I think that's tied for one of the great action movies as well. Yeah. I think Mel has this sort of charisma about him that, like, Tom Hardy definitely has as well and can pull it out. But I think Mel is so synonymous yeah. with this character that I think I'd go with Mel. But yeah. Tom Hardy was a good pick. He, um, looking at all the Mad Max movies, I, 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 I love them all. I particularly love the Mel Gibson ones, one, two, and three. Beyond Thunderdome, I'll tell you now, is a masterpiece. Mm. It is when you watch the movie, there's so Tina. many twists and turns. It is, it's, William, it's just brilliant. Yeah, I, I think they're they're all great movies. I know some people give Beyond Thunderdome a bit of a bit of shtick, but it, it is a bit. It's a different tone to those first two, but I, I love it for what it is. Like Tina Turner was such good casting in that oh. as well. Uh, did the critics enjoy Fury Road? Yeah, I think the the biggest surprise is I think it just caught everyone off guard, especially the critics. Like it, it's ninety seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It was nominated for eleven Oscars, which none of the other Mad Maxes were. It won six Oscars, and I think the critics, as soon as it came out, were quick to dub it one of the greatest action movies like ever made. So I think, and I think the fact that it was a reboot as well sort of helped lower people's expectations. I think a lot of people would might have been going in a bit cynical, thinking, "Oh, is it a cash grab?" But with George Miller behind it, it absolutely floored the critics. Uh, Profit-wise, Liam, make a decent yeah, dollar? Made, it was made for $180 million, which I think was the largest Australian production ever. And it made $400 million worldwide. So it wasn't a like ginormous hit, yeah. but the success of it critically, I think, allowed George Miller to make another one, which uh, Furiosa comes out, comes out later this year. Which we've seen the trailer. I'm, uh, I don't know. I, I saw the trailer and I went, I'm excited about this, but I don't know. It just, mm. it just looks like, I don't know, is this a step too far? Uh, it's going to be interesting. Don't doubt George. I know, yeah. I, don't, I know, and I, and I, I never will. But, and Anna Taylor-Joy's in it, so I'm all for that. I just saw Chris Hemsworth and I went, oh, no, I'm not Chris. <laughs> hey, be, no, be careful, mate. I saw him down Collaroy Beach uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. Mate, I tell you, it's one thing to have the Swifties on your tail, but I'll tell you what, if you want to mess with Thor, uh, oh, mate. Yeah, you're going to be rimmed, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, you score out of 100. What? <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm giving uh, 99. I think it's as close to a perfect action movie as you can make. Well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it 99 too because I watched it on the train on the way in today again and I was sitting there on my phone watching going, this movie is has held up so well. So, uh, yeah, 99. 87.5. Oh, oh, nice, Beak. I knew you'd do that. I'll go 85. Yeah, I'll go 95. 